welcome to my ASMR video, Jeremy. I need quiet in the living room, please. I love you. I'm sorry. Stop it, Matt. <laughs> making noise in the microphone. I can't. Hello, Hi, internet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't peek us real bad. With oh, that. look. You didn't look at peek that block. Us. Oh, the blue. Oh, the blue returns. <laughs> Hi, Internet. And welcome back to the Cape Swoosh Podcast. I'm Jeremy Doyle. I'm Matt Delhauer. And it's Christmas time. Christmas time. Oh, I'm so excited. So we're going to kind of just feel out this episode and see how it goes because we don't have a particularly lot. To say about the two comics we're going to be covering, we're just really excited about the season. The Christmas, the Christmas comics, the comics about Christmas. That's exactly what they are. Exactly. And I'm so thrilled, and I'm so excited. Well, see you next time, Internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's dive in. We've got two stories that we're covering this time around, and one of them happens to be one of my really all-time favorite stories ever. Which one is that, Jeremy? Uh, the one that's not the generic holiday special. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> so the two stories that we've got. One is from the 2005 Marvel Holiday Special, which is called Yes, Virginia, There is a Santron. I love how cheesy it is. I know. It's, it's, it's the greatest concept of just being like, let's take a very famous quote slash article about Christmas. We're going to play on the name. And we're also going to introduce killer robots. <laughs> it's an ideal Marvel Christmas. It's, it's great. To be real. And the other one is Uncanny X-Men number 143, which is called Demon. And that one is notable for a bunch of reasons that we'll get into later when we cover it. But first, let's get into uh, the ridiculousness that is Sandtron. Sandtron versus the Avengers. <laughs> is great because of the fact that, like so many wonderful Christmas films, namely uh, Die Hard, this is a a story that takes place at a Christmas party that quickly turns violent. Oh, yes. And just to clarify, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I have a list of things that make a film a Christmas movie. Does it fill the quota? It does. <laughs> now, at the moment, I only have three points. I feel like there's more, and I feel like there's more that I could fit. Uh, number one is what percentage of the film takes place during or around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and if it's over fifty percent, actually I think even fifty percent counts. It's like if it's over like twenty five, maybe. Yeah, that it's a Christmas film. Like if you can justify playing the Harry Potter films back to back as a Christmas special, then you can. Justify Die Hard, which takes place entirely on, is it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Uh, Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. Okay. Uh, because you know that that shit did not wrap up by midnight. No, God, no. But, so, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, how, what percentage of the film takes place around Christmas time or specifically on Christmas? Mm-hmm. Does Christmas play into either major plot elements or character motivations? Which it does. Which it does. Uh, and my third one is, is Christmas music prominently featured throughout the film? Oh, to Joy. Oh, well, and funny enough, Rob and I both agree we think Die Hard is the reason Ode to Joy is considered a major Christmas uh, song. Okay. But even both diegetic and non-diegetic music in the movie include things like Ode to Joy, uh, Run DMC's Christmas in Holoqueens. or um, <laughs> I forgot about that or what is, No, in Hollis Queens, I'm sorry. I, I'm white. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, 
the it ends on Let It Snow. Like it's just there's there's nothing but Christmas music throughout this entire film. It's true, and that's what all I got really so far. Well, that's fair. I I, I feel like there's probably more things I could do that's gonna get like deeper into narrative, but uh. Let's talk about the Avengers. I was going to say, you know what else fills that quota? The Avengers. It does. <laughs> so Marvel does this fun little thing, as I recently discovered as I was doing research to figure out which Christmas stories to do. Uh, they do, I think every year up to this point, since 1991, they release a holiday special, which is three different stories from the three different writers and artists featuring different heroes and Features and characters and things like that. Feature. Feature, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't fucking know. (laughs) Funny enough, the 2005, there's one Avenger story and two Fantastic Four stories. All right. Come on. (laughs) Look, I get it. The movie was coming out that year, but, like, let's chill here, okay? They had no chill. There was none. And I'm pretty sure the movie already came out. That was summer of 2005. Yes. Yes, it was. It gets even better because those two stories are so different. Uh, the first one is, like, a romp about them trying to find a, the Mole Man. I forget what his actual name is. I think it's the Mole Man. Is it actually just the Mole? It is. He was created in the 60s. It does make it, sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're looking for the Mole Man, and, like, they find mole people and celebrate the holidays with them. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, time to, to bring people together, uh, break bread with one's enemies, take censuses in Middle Eastern countries, I guess. Um, (laughs) The other one is uh, basically a take on a Twas the Night Before Christmas, except it features a villain who's trying to, like, uh, I think, like, break into a bank or something, and he's stopped by the Fantastic Four. Mm, Okay. So it's entirely in rhyme. I like that. It's pretty cool. But I couldn't really justify it because it was kind of short and also. And I feel, and I mean, most of that one would have just been like narration. Exactly. Yeah, like Which, that'd be, that would be fun to do. I guess just as like a one-off little thing if we wanted to add on to the end of it or something. Yeah. Which I mean, once we get to or the if Claremont we to make thing, a tiny thing where yet again we force Matt to read something. That <laughs> just make Matt read just, more characters. Just cold read. <laughs> And then post it three hours later. Uh, that's mm, Harry Potter. <laughs> no, well, that one I will admit. I was not allowed to cold read because I never would have made it through it. That's that's fair. You actually read it the day before, didn't you? I read it the day before out loud, and it was like two or three days before that I'd read it for the first time. Yeah. So I was like, I had it under my belt at least a little bit, so I wasn't like stopping every five seconds yeah. to laugh for another minute. <laughs> there was a lot of laughing I had to edit oh, there out was, of that Absolutely. One. I think it was the voices. I think it was the fact that I did it with voices. You absolutely <laughs> did it with voices. <laughs> I still, I, and I was going to say, and that was the event that led to my, the, the first ever piece of Cape Swoosh merchandise we have, which was oh, the, shirt. the What About Ron Magic shirt that yeah. Bob made. <laughs> One day we'll have a store. Yeah. One day. When I don't have a million things to do, we'll have a store. And when, when we can possibly have things that we legally are allowed to sell. Right. It's basically going to be the, the lines that Rob and I have added into shit. Yeah. Like, or or the uh, the wonderful, um, like, blooper lines. Oh, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> fuck your tie. Fuck your tie would be a good one. Yeah. Oh, uh... I mean, it, it, out of context, it's not that funny, but but the, the, the Spider-Man bit of, no, you didn't. <laughs> God damn it, Peter. <laughs> Ruining everything that's Marvel. Yeah. 
everything that's Marvel. Literally everything. Now, first, so I saw that trailer today. Oh, you did? And you know what it wasn't? It wasn't Peter? It wasn't Peter Kendall. <laughs> and I'm pissed off. <laughs> Get your shit together, Marvel. God damn it. <laughs> I was very tempted. Poor guy. I was very tempted to post on the trailer just be like, "Where's Pete?" Uh, this is not about somebody's uh, superhero they created and had somebody draw. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I don't know what, what you're doing. It didn't. I was gonna say, and the Captain Marvel trailer came out back on Monday. Yeah, two trailers came out this week, Jeez, man. or the past couple of weeks. They're 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 pumping shit out. Getting insane. I mean, it's. Pro- I think it's specifically because. CCXP was going on in Brazil. Oh, uh, yeah. Because that was where I saw the pictures of the, the stealth Spider-Man suit. This is turning into a different podcast. We yeah. should get back to the, the comics. So, comic books. <laughs> so, yeah, this holiday special happens every year. Uh, this is the only Avengers one in this special. Uh, the writers are as follows. I have them saved on my phone. Checking because I am a goddamn professional. Uh, Jeff Parker notes. wrote it. Um, there's nothing really, he's done a lot of work, so I shouldn't really say that. He's a wonderfully talented man, but there's nothing really that jumps out. He wrote Batman 66. Like, he wrote a bunch of those comics. We did Uh, one of those. He also did a Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman. Oh, he didn't do the the Green Lantern? He didn't do Green Lantern one. That was Garmin and Kevin Smith. Green Hornet. 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 That sounds really weird saying it fast. Yeah, it does. It's somewhat dirty, and I like it. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, he's written a lot of She-Hulk, which is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. It's a character that doesn't really get her 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 due. Her due, yeah. I would love to do more She-Hulk stuff. I say as I am specifically if we make Leah be She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> I I made Leah legitimately like scream into a microphone for um, Scarlet Witch. We can get her to do the same thing for She-Hulk. I love it, Leah. It was great. I need you to butch it up a lot. <laughs> She's just the happiest human. It's <laughs> like, Leah, you need to be angry. I need you to stop being a ray of sunshine, please. <laughs> uh, and the artist on this one is a fellow by the name of Riley Brown. Uh, he's fun because he's from Montclair. Which is fun. Which may or may not be around where we're from. Possibly. Not, you, if you, you've you don't been know. following the clues, you don't listener. <laughs> you mean where I blatantly promoted our comic book shop in the previous episode? Yes. <laughs> Uh, he also runs his own little company called uh, Ten Ton Studios, and he was an artist on Lobo for DC. That's pretty cool. That's pretty dope. Lobo's fun as shit. Oh, yeah. He's like, if you took Deadpool and the Punisher and you put him in space on a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Which I guess would just be Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just Biker Man in space. Yeah, it is. So good for you, Riley. Weren't they trying to get The Rock to play him at one point? He, they were trying to get him to play uh, Black Adam. Well, I know, I remember Black Adam, but I, re- I think there was also a point where they were like, we want to get him to play Lobo. I was like, why? Yeah, that, I was uh, like, I love Dwayne Johnson. I love The Rock, but that I, is not his... I was going to say... That's if, not his, his wheelhouse. If he wasn't currently tied to being Aquaman, I'd say Momoa would be a better fit for Lobo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would have been right at home. But I'm not sad that he's Aquaman. No. Like, that's going to be a fun as shit no, movie. That'd be great. That'd be, that'd be enjoyable. So, on to the next one. So, on to the next comic, which is one of my darlings. X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, number 143. Get it right. Uncanny X-Men, number 143. Uh, it's a story called Demon. Uh, it's written by... Oh, Jeremy. Yes. I have a question. What's your question, Matt? Now, this is the holiday season, Jeremy. It is. Uh, a time for love and joy and light 
and, and wonderful things. And gladness, yes. And I'm wondering, why would we choose a story called Demon for Christmas? It's... And I ask you to please answer in the way that I've been asking, which is a really bad Paul F. Tompkins impression. <laughs> you know I'm shit at impressions. <laughs> it's funny you ask that, Matt, because here's the reason why. I, no, don't Max Headroom me. <laughs> So, uh, this story was written by the wonderful and marvelous Chris Claremont, who is a legendary writer who you should absolutely know. The king. The king of X-Men. Yes. Like, he created most of the modern X-Men. Think of an X-Man that you like. Chris Claremont made him up. Yes. And I swear to God, if you said Cyclops, you're lying to yourself. (laughs) You like modern Cyclops, like the uh, asshole Cyclops. Badass rebellion Cyclops, who's now like Magneto Light. He is kind of Magneto Light, isn't he? That's the whole point. It was like, oh, after the Phoenix Force, I saw the truth, and now I want to kill humans or something. It's something weird like that. True true race, things like that. And that's another podcast. But, yeah, this was written by Claremont, who is delightful. And it was drawn by – I'm terrible because this guy is also a legend. uh, John Byrne. Yep. Uh, He has literally done every fucking thing under the sun. Think of your favorite (laughs) (laughs) X-Man. They are a legendary team together, and I guarantee you they work together on your favorite X-Men story. This was early 80s for them? This was late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, so this is, is, we're getting into the thick of it with the two of them. This is immediately after Dark Phoenix. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. So this is is heavy. So, um... Yeah, because this isn't that long after Kitty joined the team. This is immediately when Kitty joined the team. This is actually her first full-length adventure on the team. Oh. Which is why I love it so much. Okay. So, yeah, let's actually get into that. So, without spoiling too much, uh, this is around the time when Kitty was created and put into the X-Men to be kind of like the uh, the young narrator, fresh eyes person. Essentially, uh, speaking from the industry side, uh, they feared that the readers were not able to engage or at least new readers were not able to engage so well because all of the characters had been established for a while and any new character that was brought in was a grown-ass adult. Yeah. So in order to get new kids and or teenagers interested, they had to introduce a spunky young protagonist that they could then be the... Oh, what is the word? Blanking. Blanking. Uh, Avatar. There you are. For the uh, audience to project themselves onto. Mm. And she was... Fucking great in that role. Kitty's probably my favorite X-Man. I have it goes said, back and forth between Kitty and Nightcrawler for me. I have said time and time again that if and when Marvel decides they're going to bring X-Men into the MCU, it should be a story that follows Kitty and her introduction into the world of the X-Men. Absolutely. Kind of like they did with Rogue in the other movies, but good. But, yeah. <laughs> my, my opinions on the X-Men movies have... Slowly grown sour over time. Come at me, internet. That first movie did not age well. Mm, second one didn't either. Like, I love it still, but it did not exactly age well either. In the Come at the me, MCU. internet. Barely any of them aged well. <laughs> like gruff old Logan in that movie called Logan. <laughs> they all got real ugly as they got oh, older. Oh, man. That's not true. Hugh Jackman cannot be ugly. <laughs> He it literally was a, can't. He He's even, such he a beautiful even, man. He even put on dad bod fat, and it was still like, the guy's in so much better shape than me. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, 
Um, yes, this is the first story that Kitty was a part of, like, full-time. as She had been on the team for other adventures, but this is really the first big one to feature Kitty after she joined the X-Men and after Jean had died. Spoilers if you don't know the Dark Phoenix Spoiler saga. Spoiler alert for a 30-odd for year the, old storyline. Literally line. the most famous X-Men storyline. Yes. Which, yes. stop trying to remake it. Yeah. Just just let it go. You've there are only, other things. You've only had this gene for a movie. You think I'm going to care when We're she dies? We're not going to care! <laughs> Come on! Anyway, the conceit is that she is alone on Christmas. Mm. Or Christmas Eve. Which doesn't matter to her either way because she's Jewish. Good point. And there is a demon which breaks into the X-Mansion, which is where the name demon comes from, blah, 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 blah. However, it's framed, and one of the reasons why I really love it, as if he is the Krampus demon. Mm. Which is why I think it's such a fun Christmas story, is because like it's a take on like a darker side of Christmas, which is the Krampus mythos. Jeremy, what is the Krampus mythos? So, originally when the story of Santa Claus was created, there was a being called... S- not Santa. God damn it. There was a being <laughs> called Santa. <laughs> there was a being called Krampus, who was kind of like the anti-Santa Claus, where instead of leaving you presents, he would fucking kidnap you, put you in a sack, and bring him ho- bring you home with him, and then do terrible, terrible things like eat you. You did forget one major aspect of that. Which is? After he has placed you in a sack, he beats you with reeds. Oh, he does beat you with reeds. That is a thing that happens. You said an anti-Santa Claus? Would and you say that he's an anti-Claus? No. No, I would not say that at all, Matt. <laughs> Thank you for your opinion, Jeremy. So, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. So that's the conceit of yeah, it's, the story. It's more than enough you need to have to, to enjoy the story. It's a straightforward fun, dramatic story, which is why everybody fucking loves Claremont, is because he made X-Men like the heightened drama and the soap opera and the fun. It was fucking fun. Absolutely. And I think the thing that I really liked about Claremont taking over for X-Men is he decided to move away from the very common aspect of, like, Stan Lee's writing, which was a lot of the story is just told in narration. Yeah. There's a lot of narrative boxes that tell you what's happening, and then you get, like, maybe some dialogue. Claremont was a much bigger fan of the idea of the panel showing you what's happening already mm-hmm. and allowing you to instead enter more into, like, the thoughts of the characters and allow them and their words and their actions give you an idea of who they are instead of a block of text that says something along the lines of, like, Kit, you know, uh, Kitty Pride, also known as Shadow Cat, the young upstart of the X-Men, is trapped in the mansion. It's like, well, we could tell. Yeah. That being said, because it's interesting that you brought that up, because we actually, having done a lot of the script for this one that we're going to be performing, as well as another project that we're putting out soon that involves some of Stan Lee's writing, mm-hmm. Stan Lee's stuff does read so much more like an audiobook. Like, straight up, like, you don't need the visual context to read Stan's work Mm -hmm. because he literally just tells you what's happening. As opposed to Claremont, he's almost more descriptive but in a different sense. Like you were saying, like, he's much more about the internal and about what everything else that's happening in the scene. Yeah, a lot of the times when he has his narrative boxes, it's it's talking about, like, how a character feels about what's going on. Yeah their internal struggle with what's happening so that you're better able to understand them as people. 
instead of it just telling you, this is what you're looking at. Yeah. Which made writing the script interesting because we were joking about it just being narration before. Mm-hmm. This one's going to be a little bit of that because there's so much. Uh, I even had to trim down like a bunch, and there's still a bunch in there. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, Roberto. Like, you're going to have to do some work. <laughs> oh, I didn't <laughs> know you were this. Oh, Roberto volunteered himself, so I absolutely threw oh, him into that role. Absolutely. Which that'll, be, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about that. And it's going to be a fun time. So, honestly, that's everything I have to say about the comics. So, fucking Christmas, man. Christmas is great. It is. Uh, if you don't like Christmas, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what terrible thing happened to you. But it can be better. It can absolutely be better. And I think the problem that a lot of people tend to have when it comes to Christmas and they, they get upset about it is, you know, there's the blatant commercialism. It, yes. The idea of it is a holiday built on the idea of keep our economy going. Mm. And uh, that sucks. But I'm all in, bro. Like, yeah, I, I mean, because it's equal parts like that, but also like a genuine celebration of the human spirit if you do it right. True. Like, there are absolutely those people that will, you know, trample over someone on Black Friday because they want to get the best fucking deals. That's not doing Christmas right. No, that's doing Black Friday right, though. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the towels, man. I got to get the towels. <laughs> They're only a dollar, Jeremy. That was the most mortifying thing to me was finding out that apparently one of the hottest selling items on Black Friday at any given time is fucking towels. Yeah, I don't know what it. People get wet and they got to dry off, I guess. <laughs> There's a shirt. <laughs> oh, out of context merchandise. <laughs> That's gonna be our entire story. It's it will. Just out of It'll context be the greatest. Like, if you don't listen to the podcast, you can't possibly understand this shirt. You know, those fucking the pe- thing that nerds love the most. Two percenters. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, those fucking out uh, penny quote T-shirts that people make that are just literally just screen printed mm-hmm. things on T-shirts that make no fucking sense. That's gonna be our store. Yeah, and mugs that we will then eventually destroy. That's true. So um, to give an inside peek for the listeners, we at Cape Swoosh have a very proud holiday tradition because we have a Christmas thing that we do every year. One year, everybody got fucking mugs, and we have too many fucking mugs. Too many mugs in the house. So what we do now is when someone gives another person a mug, that mug gets destroyed with a hammer. A big hammer. Not just a hammer. It is a giant wooden mallet. Mm. And I don't mean like... A meat tenderizer. No, it's a Viking mallet. It is a warhammer. <laughs> it is called the Mugmaw. It is uh, yes, uh, and it has been has not been fed since about a year ago. It is hungry, hungry, and my Eevee mug is staying a safe distance away yes, from and, the Mugmaw. Well, funny enough, was last year my sister got me a mug for Christmas that was a cat dressed as a wizard, and it said espresso per tronum. Son of a bitch. And I love it. <laughs> and I told her immediately, this has to stay at mom and dad's. Yeah. That's... She said, why? Don't you like it? And I said, I love it. But there is a strict no bringing new mugs into the house policy, and I fear what would happen if I broke that. <laughs> so this is going to stay at mom and dad's so that it can be loved and used. I feel like there's soft exceptions to things that are just, you know – Good mugs. Well, no, like, that's objectively not, good mugs. It is not the idea that, like, somebody walks in and is like, I got a new mug, and we rip it out of their hands and break it in front of them. 
Every mug is volunteered. Yes. <laughs> but still. Exactly. Fear the mug maw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's another shirt. And, the and theme of this podcast quotes for the store. <laughs> Christmas and merchandising. <laughs> What I, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, we don't got a whole lot that we need to talk about. What other movies do you think are Christmas movies that people say aren't? Um, Gremlins. Gremlins is absolutely. Gremlins is a hundred percent a Christmas movie. The entire movie is based on the idea of a Christmas present going wrong. Yes, which is why I refuse it to watch it over Halloween. Even though, I agree with you. That's absolutely that's a Christmas viewing. The thing that I love about it, too, is – did you ever see the Cracked video that talks about how ridiculous of a movie it is? Yes. I love that fucking video. Just the whole, the whole point where it's like – so, for some reason, in the middle of the movie, Phoebe Cates goes on this long diatribe about how she doesn't believe in a Santa Claus because her father died pretending to be Santa. And the guy she's telling it to can't bother to listen. <laughs> no, he just <laughs> fucking – over his goddamn head. And that's why I know that there's no Santa Claus. Great. Think this light works? <laughs> <laughs> I love that fucking movie. <laughs> uh. So, um, on a cape swoosh note, it's gonna. This one's gonna be a fun one, and it's gonna be a little bit of experiment because this is easily gonna be the biggest cast we've had for a yeah, cape it's recording. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be giant. Uh, I, we have not done this many people in one recording yet, ever. Like even back in the old days when we all just crammed ourselves into the Montclair studio and recorded. But I was gonna say and that's because we didn't have the room in the studio, nor the microphones. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we, we did have, like, you know, eight to ten people who would show up for a recording, but we would have to break it down into, like, okay, these three people doing this or that. This will be the first time that we have gotten everybody in front of a microphone as best as we could. Yeah. But it's going to be a fun one because it's kind of like a uh, – it's a lot of our regulars coming in for this one. It's a lot of the regulars. And I think what's funny about it is the fact that it's, like, because it is a Christmas party with all of these heroes, we have basically turned it into, like, a Christmas party with all of the people we love working with. Yes. So it will be a swooshmas. Oh, it's definitely going to be swooshmas. And I hope – you survive the experience. I I mean, we'll see if I survive the experience. I might get be a ball of... You get it? God damn it. I clar- that's that's I a tagline on Demon. <laughs> that's a tagline on the actual comic. I know it is. God damn it. I got you so good. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, this might be a short episode, but fuck it. It's not meant to it's be like Christmas. super long. Go spend it it's with Christmas. your family. And if you Go don't like celebrate. your family, spend it with... A dog or cat, and if you don't have those, then tell bye. us what we should do next. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know. Send suggestions. Send send tweets to Peter Kendall about how you don't like that he's not the Avengers. <laughs> how he's not the fucking Avengers Four trailer. It's still my favorite thing. It's gonna my, be my forever. favorite. Was I went looking through the comments because I was I heard you guys like in the other room reading them and mm-hmm. everything at the the other night. And so the next day I was looking through the comments on the video and I found the one that was like, "Good job from Pakistan." I was like. All right, way to go, Pakistan. And then I watched the video that Rob put out, and I love that that was one of the featured ones that he read. (laughs) Good job, Pakistan. I love that the biggest, like, the two biggest things you got out of it were people screaming about the fact that they didn't get the Avengers trailer because somebody somewhere said it was going to be on Wednesday, and that somebody was not Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And number two was people who were like, this is a really cool idea, and I love I love you know hearing what people uh, love about comics. But where's the trailer? <laughs> Literally, the one was just like this guy's really cool. Where the fuck is the trailer? 
Or the one guy was like, it's like, you guys shouldn't be giving this guy so many thumbs downs. Like, it's not his fault that he's not the Avengers trailer. It's like, thank you, guy, but it feels also like it's still a complaint, maybe. <laughs> like a backhanded one. There was one where the guy was literally just monologuing in his comment, and he started supportive. And by the end of it, he was entirely outraged that it was not the Avengers 4 trailer. Because fanboys, man. So this was a rambly episode, but it was fun. It was great. So thank you so much for listening. If you liked our podcast, feel free to listen on all of the things such as SoundCloud. What is this voice you're doing? I don't fucking know. I did it last time, too. It's just a thing that happens. It's just—it's this very odd, like, Welsh butler thing. I am a goddamn Muppet, and... Thank you for listening. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode... Go on, yeah, Adam. Hey, Matt, you want to play Jarvis? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you won't. It's a really bad Jarvis. <laughs> If that's if that was the audition, I now question you as a director. I've cast people for worse. Yeah, you have. I'm sitting right here. I know, Matt. <laughs> Having made you sound Native American one last well, no, time. I, I, and that's the thing is, I've never done a voice for it, but it's two times now. <laughs> I refuse to do the voice. And for context, the Flash episode we did, Max Mercury is a white man. He's absolutely a white man. He just happened to be friends with a lot of Native Americans. The problem was, the was that story. the way the story is told, it sounds like a Native American morphed into a white guy when he traveled through time, and that's not what had happened. But because you can't see the panels of the comic when we do an audio drama, you can't get that. <laughs> and I was not just going to white white in. Fuck me! I'm going to write in. I was not going to just white that up. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, just write in. Well, just like, Max, you're looking particularly white today. Well, you see, Flash, I, as a white man, and having always been one, no. <laughs> anyway, we're on fucking Spotify, uh, iTunes. Holy shit, we're on Spotify? We're on Spotify, baby. Did I tell you that I have recently started using Spotify and it blew my mind? Oh, yeah? <laughs> I don't know why I was so against the idea of using it, but I, I like, wound up accidentally paying for, like, a mo- like several months of it and not oh, realizing shit. when I, like, did the premium thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I guess I might as well just play around with this. And now, like, it guesses what kind of music I want to listen to, and so far, it's never let me down. There you go. So I'm like... I, now, now I just feel like a jackass. Cause I'm, I'm like, damn, way to go, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're there. We're on Spotify. Cool. And Google Play and iTunes and SoundCloud and fucking website. Finally on iTunes. Goddamn iTunes. Apple decided to quit being such big jerks about it. Please don't kick us off iTunes. I really worked hard. I dare you to kick us off of iTunes. Please, please don't kick us off. You iTunes. couldn't if please, you tried. Please, really don't do it. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Happy holidays and have a very happy holiday. We love you. Love you so much. The Flash. Flash. <laughs> God, we're assholes. I know. <laughs>